Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 46. Let's roll. I got a great guest with me tonight. I've got a great show tonight. Um, Actually, I guess we're going to launch, probably come out on Friday morning. So good morning to you. But we're recording on a Thursday night uh, just before the... uh, Excuse me. Just before the uh, game four uh, of the of the NBA Finals, I hope uh, hope Milwaukee ties it up. But of course, you know tomorrow morning you'd be like, "What an idiot!" Uh, but one thing I can tell you is Conor McGregor got his ass kicked. That's for sure. Um, and poor England, poor one out for England. I mean, all sorts of stuff going on. And of course, again, we are you know in the in the middle of the Scott Fishbowl drafting, and um, you know I, I hope to maybe touch a little bit of that with with my with my guest today, but. Um, Man, the, the guy I've got on today is just one of those guys that, you know, we were like, when we were both, you know, sub 500 followers, we were like sparring with each other years ago and kind of, you know, one of those iron sharpens iron type of relationships. We didn't always see eye to eye, but we always respected one another and our points of view. And he made me better. I hope I made him better. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, you know, he's pretty awesome, but. Uh, you know, I remember from the beginning, and I'm really excited to have him on. And so I'm going to get him right out here. We're going to start talking uh, rookies. We're going to talk uh, a number of different things. But uh, without further ado, let me bring out my guest, uh, Brandon Angelo. Everybody calls him Angelo. Nobody even knows his damn first name. He, he can be found on Twitter at Angelo underscore fantasy. He's got a lot going on. He's up over 11,000 followers on Twitter. And that means there's just 11,000 smart people following him. So uh, welcome to the show, Angelo. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man, not much. I, I truly appreciate you having me out, man. It's, it's truly a long time coming. So uh, I'm excited to chop it up with you, man. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I can remember, <clears throat> you know, I can remember going back when we, you know, first uh, started uh, kind of really getting into it with one another was that draft of, you know, the Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery draft. And, you know, I don't think either one of us was too high on that class in a way. But, you know, in that insofar as we were trying to pick the winner, we were arguing about Miles Sanders over, uh, you know, David Montgomery and vice versa. And, you know, we would just get into it. And I remember, you know, Chalk, you know, one on one Chalk, obviously the fearless leader here at the Undroppables. You know, it was like like me and Chalk against you, so it was not fair. You know, we were like teaming up on you. But I remember it was like we would have these super heated debates about those players, and um, you know, we would just test one another. And I think that was a lot of fun, and yeah. I think that's when we see some of that softness on Twitter. It's like 
you know, you, you want to be able to push each other a little bit and then sort of high five. It's like practicing hard, you know, in basketball, you know, you go at each other, you, you know, you, 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 you test each other and then after it, you hug it out and, 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 you know, and go from there. And I think that's kind of what we did. And I really appreciate that friendship early on and uh, appreciate the, you know, the, the, the ironing, sharpening the iron. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that's a, that's a big part of it too. When you're, you know, trying to kind of find your niche and um, in writing and in podcasting or whatever you're trying to do in this space or beyond, it's, it's just kind of figuring out a way to compete. Right. And that, that's yeah. what it's really about. That's what we're all trying to do in, in, in the fantasy space and in our, with our own fantasy teams. We're trying to be competitive. Um, and it's great to find little ways and little nuances and little tactics to, to kind of gain the edge there and to kind of look at things through a different lens than other people. So yeah, I, those interactions were awesome, man. I, looking back on it, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, I think we were both trying to find our voice like anything else. When you're in a space where you're communicating publicly, you know, obviously now you have a podcast, I have a podcast, you know, we have these forums and platforms and I, you know, I started writing and, you know, for the site, um, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> when you're first doing it, you don't really know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, you know what you're talking about, you know, football, but you don't know how to share it in a way that's going to be. Right. Uh, useful, entertaining, or whatever. You have no idea. You're just kind of trying shit. And so, you know, people are like, what, you're not still doing that, dude? It sounds like you're doing that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're just throwing against the wall to kind of see what sticks. And, you know, we, we were, it was sort of a safe space for each other because we knew we could really, you know, bring it, bring it, uh, you know, heavy and, and not get like, oh, fuck you. You know, there was none of that. We never got sour. Right. I think a big thing of it is, you know, just, just, being able to, like I said, being able to compete, know what that looks like. You know, it's, there's no malice. There's none of that. You know, nah. it's, it's just, you know, it's just kind of talking, airing out your thoughts and opinions on different things and, and going from there. That's how you grow. Right. So I love it. Um, but yeah, it's a big deal, man. I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot of times people get a little heated, um, but man, it's, it's all, you know, it's all in fun, man. It's all, it's all in growth. And, absolutely it's a good mindset to have well it's more fun to be a little rigid than it is to be like you know just flimsy so i I love it you know i love it when people call me out people been uh call me out uh recently on twitter for the uh, Nikhil harry take you know i wasn't alone but i had him as my wr1 and 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 obviously that one flamed out um you know but thankfully i was drafting him after those three running backs and i didn't i didn't get very much of him as he would go even one on one in a lot of leagues right, or, right. you know so so you know pour one out for Nikhil. and as a patriots fan you know <laughs> yeah, pour man, it out twice tough. that's tough <laughs> hey he's better than Ortega Whiteside that's all i know that's that is <laughs> yeah i mean you're you're right but are you right? That's the thing we don't know. Like, that's <laughs> oh, kind of the shit. tough thing. Is it ain't uh, great for either of those boys? But um, well, hopefully, hopefully they can kind of you know redeem their careers. But that's well, a tough start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've, I've heard uh, you know JJ uh, Zacharyson sort of talk about the, the 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 odds of a player like that putting out that many seasons of that nature actually hitting, and even if they're first round draft picks like you know Devontae Parker. Uh, right, Corey Davis right. type players. Those those players are still few and far between. The guys who oh, yeah, underperform yeah. and then finally do any yeah. sort of breaking out. Just because it's so hard to become, you know, like an underperformer to being the focal point of an NFL offense. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. You know, like Rashad Perry was a first round pick. I Bingo. mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like you you get your shot, but the leash is only so long in the NFL, right? If you don't perform, you don't perform. They're going to find someone who can. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, your contract tethers you to opportunity insofar as like, you know, Devonte Adams might've been out of the league if he was a third or fourth round pick, but you know, it kind of crazy to think that way because remember how much of a bust he was and then he, you know, his, his story is so yeah. unique. Yeah. His story is so unique. Yeah, man. Um, you know, let, let's go to that. You know, I, I think our most legendary sort of, you know, argument, if you will, and it was, you know, only a player argument was, Miles Sanders versus David Montgomery. And you know what's crazy? We still don't know who the hell won. <laughs> That's kind of the funny part, yeah. I mean, what do you say? You ready to give me the title? I mean, he does have a higher ADP. I mean, Miles Sanders is being – did I win or – I don't I'm know. just asking you. I don't I, – I, it's funny because he has a higher ADP for no reason, in my I, opinion. I kind of agree. In my opinion because I agree. we've seen – like we saw what you and I talked about pre-draft with Miles Sanders – was the lack of durability that's one of the that's the first thing if you can't stay on the field in the nfl well you're not going to be on the field right and then the the lack of tactical tactical nuance he wasn't you know wasn't a very creative running back very you know see a hole hit hole and then if you know he can hit a home run at any time but there wasn't that that level of technical i guess technical guidance that he didn't he just didn't have that he didn't have the stuff that Christian McCaffrey's made of Dalvin Cook some of those guys who are elite at their position they just have that type of mastery to their craft that he just didn't have and has not obtained and then the the ball security issues was number one right I mean that was the biggest thing is he struggled fumbles and drops um as a nitty line but then we saw that kind of come into fruition in the NFL as well so that's the tough thing is, is that stuff going to kind of haunt him for the rest of his career? Is he going to figure it out? A lot of what ifs surrounding his game. But then the other side of the coin, it seems like Dave Montgomery has kind of walked his way into a bow cow type role in Chicago. And that's what he was coming out. He was a, you know, a volume based runner, a rhythm runner, as you will. Um, really good, really good sound fundamentally. Um, just a really good running back. He's not, he's not great. He's not flashy. But he's a good football player yes. um, that I think is going to have an NFL role for a long time because he doesn't really make many mistakes. He's a good pass catcher. He's a great pass blocker, ranked in the top three um, in pass protection rate as a rookie, which was huge for him getting on the field and performing on all three downs for Chicago when, once Tariq Cohen went down with the ACL last year. Um, and then yeah. it's just an interesting thing because they're, they're, their careers are kind of trending in two different directions. This is Miles Sanders' last shot, really, um, with Deuce Daly going out of town as a running back coach. This is kind of Miles Sanders' last <laughs> shot to prove that he is the guy in Philadelphia. And now that they brought in a capable um, receiving back in Kenneth Gainwell, you know, Miles Sanders is going to have to fight for that, you know, fight for the role on third downs. He's going to fight for that role as a primary pass catching option on the backfield. Um, and with this offense kind of trending a little more vertical, um, with Jalen Hurts at the helm, um, with obviously. Devonte Smith and and the, some of the weapons they have there with Jalen Rager and company. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see you know what his target share looks like and where he fits in the passing game. And um, just seems like Dave Montgomery is going to be a little bit safer um, in terms of his volume and his workload and production. I think what's interesting about the entire you know thing is that you know we were both right about each other's guy because I mean you know you were arguing that uh, David Montgomery <clears throat> is, is a better football player. And I was arguing that Miles Sanders 
was a more explosive player. And neither one of those two things was the reason that they were that they were elite, right? Miles Sanders didn't become an elite running back because he was an elite athlete. And David Montgomery didn't become an elite running back because he was a really dope football player. But your criticisms of Miles Sanders held him back. And my criticism of David Montgomery was, look, man, this guy just doesn't have juice. Now, here's the one thing I'll say about David Montgomery is that a mutual friend of ours, both, you know, uh, both of ours, excuse me, a mutual friend of both of ours, easy sentence to say, uh, is uh, it, it works with, you know, players and you work with players and, um, you know, but but we have a friend who works with, you know, uh, or closely with, you know, David Montgomery and, and has mentioned that he's just like completely working hard to, you know, reshape his body and has probably, I would bet he's a better athlete today than when he came out oh, of Iowa he, State. A mil- especially he's working with one of the, um, one of the, probably one of the most renowned sports scientists in the Midwest and in, in America and in, uh, Christian Corfus. And if you're unfamiliar with Christian's work and, and what he does in terms of in terms of sprinting and, and speed development in general, look him up. I mean, the guy's fantastic. I'm having personal interaction with him, and I can tell you first and foremost, the guy's a the guy knows what he's doing. And I, I've seen I've seen the articles, I've seen um, some of the videos of what Dave Montgomery looks like. Know, from like kind of like draft time to what he looks like now and he's gotten markedly faster and that's the thing is you can improve those qualities you can improve during acceleration you can improve during max velocity um and those qualities can be in, improved but they oftentimes degrade in the nfl because they're not working yes. enough uh, we can get into that like i can go for days on that type of stuff no but, but that's exactly right but normally yeah, those, those things fall back rather than get better. I mean, some guys, of course, you get bigger, stronger, faster over time, but you know, your physical peak is somewhere in your young twenties. It's not like, I mean, maybe you get a little bit more man strength, you know, into your thirties, but you're never really that much faster and twitchier than you are in your young twenties. So most of these guys coming out are about as pure a form of athlete as they could be. Um, but you know, yeah, David Montgomery had some room to move. I wasn't sure that he could or would, but, uh, for all intents and purposes, it looks like he did. I mean, here's the negative for David Montgomery. He played a really soft schedule without Tariq Cohen in the lineup. Now he plays a you know regular schedule with Tariq Cohen in the lineup. You know, a lot of his uh, you know fantasy goodness came from those targets, which right. will be cut into. And and you're right on the money with Miles Sanders. This is make or break time for him. I, I agree with that. Um, I don't think there's any way that he can fall on his face this year and be the starting running back in 2022 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he might get a shot somewhere else or you know, something, but yeah, he needs to show himself this year right now, uh, or his career is in flux. I don't think he's going to be out of the league. I just think he becomes more of a, you know, compliment back than yeah. he does a, a lead back. Yeah, no, I think that's hundred percent right. And that's what we talked about. I think with him coming out too, is I, I felt Miles Sanders was a, is like a one B to a pretty good one A. Um, I think he's a complimentary back. Same with Travis Etienne. That's what I think Travis Etienne will end up being. And I think he's in a good spot to do that in Jacksonville because I think James Robinson is a pretty dang good running back. Um, but, yeah, with, with Miles Sanders, that's kind of where he fits is kind of like Ronald Jones, Miles Sanders, and Travis Etienne are very similar style of player. Um, they do need, I believe, a secondary running back or a primary running back uh, to, to kind of lessen the workload for my of reasons. But um, with David Montgomery, you're right, you're right in the road with Tariq Cohen. Will Tariq Cohen come back healthy is the question. I've heard reports in Chicago of him kind of struggling to recover from the ACL injury. Um, 
and then they might want to kind of let like lessen his workload and then kind of ease him into the season. But because when you look at it too, you know, Matt Nagy said it a couple times, you know, like three Cohen's great, but like he has a specific role on offense. And if you look at, you know, the receiving stats and the splits of, you know, Dave Montgomery versus three Cohen, Dave Montgomery is a much better receiver than three Cohen ever was. Three Cohen led the league in drops and drop rate when he was, you know, fully healthy and playing. Um, and that's not something you can afford to, you know, afford to do if that's kind of, you know, your, your, your niche position. Um, but I mean, it's one of those interesting things is, is Dave Montgomery get the volume. You're right on those in terms of the schedule. Um, you can't control that obviously, but, uh, no. when I look at it, if you have Mitch Trubisky back there, you know, you, you know, the Vikings knew Dave Montgomery was getting the ball 25 to 28 times that game. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's a well-known fact, you know, you stack the box, do whatever you can to stop. I and mean, he looked, he looked good. You know, he's, he's improved as a football player, but um, I think their ADPs are kind of flipped in my opinion. I think if you're saying who's the better chance, who has a better chance to, to finish in the top eight this year, I think it's Dave Montgomery. Cause I think he's going to get, he's going to get the volume. He's going to get 20 touches or so a game. Miles Sanders, we have a kind of that big question mark of, okay, what's his role going to be now? Kenneth Game was kind of coming to the mix. His offense with Sirianni is going to look a little bit different as well, much more vertical. Um, what's that going to look like with Sanders? And, you know, what's his role going to be in, um, in 2022 and beyond? Well, and I would, I would disagree with you in, on one part of your point. You said who is more likely to finish in the top eight. Like if you told me one of these two guys finished as a top five or six back, I would choose Miles Sanders because I think the upside is greater. If you told me you have to bet your life that one of them will finish as a top 25 back and only one of them did it, I'd, I'd choose David Montgomery. So I think, you know, that sort of safety and floor is there for Montgomery. But I still believe based on skill set, receiving ability, and, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, saying Kenneth Gainwell is a threat. I don't see a threat in that backfield. I love Kenneth Gainwell. Everybody, it's well documented. I was talking how much I love Kenny Gainwell, but Kenny Gainwell was drafted in the fifth round, right? And that means that the NFL, including the Eagles, saw him as a fifth round pick, right? right. I mean, you know, that's who he is, or you know, now I think he's better than that. I'm, I'm on record as saying that that I thought he was going to go in the third, maybe the fourth, and I was shocked too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying that, you know, draft capital matters, and. I think, you know, when you were talking also, some of the interesting things that you mentioned was sort of that 1B. And, you know, Kamara's a 1B. <laughs> you know, in other words, you know, he's not he, – he plays in that sort of role. I think that's what they are thinking about for ETN. I don't think that that's necessarily uh, an apt comparison because I agree that Kamara's, you know, an elite receiving talent and ETN is good. Um, he's not – you know, Kenny Gainwell's an elite receiving talent. Najee Harris is an elite receiving talent. I don't know about elite with Najee. Pretty close. Probably elite, but damn good. And then, you know, ETN is good. I mean, he's an elite. He's serviceable. You know, playmaker. I mean, yeah. He, but yeah, he's not an elite. Playmaker catcher. is a really good, yeah. Playmaker is a really good way to, to, to kind of phrase that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because if you look at, you know, Sirianni, what do you, you know, look at Colts like last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at him in the past and. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, you know, Hines had a pretty good role, right? I mean, he had a pretty sizable role and he was pretty fancy viable. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with Sanders, I think it's going to be, you're hoping for, you're hoping that Jalen Hurst doesn't take a lot of the goal line. That's a big one too. You know, it's like with Josh Allen and Buffalo, you know, no matter what running back is there, like 
we were talking about Najee Harris in Buffalo. That would have been great, but it also been awful at the same time because you're going to get six to ten touchdowns a year taken away because of Josh Allen's rushing ability. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts is going to probably run for over 800 yards this year, over 750 yards this year. That's a lot. That's a big chunk for rushing offense. Um, and we're looking at a you know a floor of what six touchdowns, eight touchdowns for for guy like Jalen Hurts. Um, and that takes something away from Miles Sanders too. Uh, it could be a good thing because I think that offense flows a little bit better. But I also don't believe that they're going to be looking to check down a ton. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Sirianni's offense looks like. What role will Miles Sanders be? Will he be you know Mark's you know Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara? You brought up Alvin Kamara. You know that was a solid one A one B. And Kamara being the one B, then moving on to being the guy, obviously now and one of the premier backs in the NFL. Um, but you know, is Miles Sanders going to take that next step? He certainly has the physical talent um, and capability to do so. Is you know, can he clean up some of the things that have kind of plagued him in the past? But I'm really excited to see that whole Eagles offense as a whole kind of get going and see what Sirianni has in store for the league. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't mean to cough on you, but you know. Um, Miles Sanders uh, was, uh, he, you know, I, he played 12 games. He saw uh, 52 targets in 12 games, and uh, he was he was pretty efficient with uh, Jalen Hurts behind center. <clears throat> you know, he he saw you know, you know, uh, uh, a good amount of targets while Jalen Hurts was there. So I think, you know, look if uh, Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, it, it does open up a lot more rushing attempts potentially as they play that sort of you know, read option game. And, um, that's usually good for, you know, the running backs. And, um, you know, uh, as far as that goes, you know, their offensive line should also be better this year. What could go wrong did go wrong in that, you know, Philadelphia team last year down to the weapons, the offensive line. I mean, the quarterback play was bad. Um, rookie coming in late. I mean, it was just a complete catastrophe. So you would have to think that it's going to be better. And if Miles Sanders can stay healthy, I know that's been two years straight now we've said that. I mean, he's had, you know, good usage. Uh, I think it's like top five usage when he plays. It's like the whole idea that Peterson was going to be using running back by committee, that was actually not true. Sanders was used more than most backs in the NFL. It's just he broke down. So, yeah. you know, it's like, that's you know, look, thing. I mean, whether he's injury prone or not, I don't know. But he got fucking hurt two years in a row. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's I, I'm you know I'm not going to dive deep into the injury prone narrative, which I believe is a narrative. Um, but yeah, it's tough because durability is a trait of NFL running backs, of NFL players in general, right? It's a contact, it's a collision based sport. So if right. you are, if you don't remain durable, well, you're going to find another job. So yes. <laughs> Miles Sanders is one of those backs where this is that's the biggest reason why you know his arrow is kind of in flux is he hasn't remained durable, and when when you don't stay on the field. How can you improve your craft, right? That's how you do it. That, that That's how you make your money in the NFL is like guys like Christian McCaffrey, like, man, like he was able to stay on the field for his first two seasons. And we saw him improve from a good rookie to one of the best running backs in recent memory. Um, and, and that's kind of one of those things, too, where Miles Sanders has so much room to grow. If he's afforded that opportunity to stay on the field for 16, 17 straight games, then we can kind of see that growth take off. But will he is the question. We don't know that. That's where There's a lot of big question marks with Miles Sanders. We don't know his ceiling. We know his floor. We don't like his floor. But it's just will he get close to his ceiling is the question. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping he stays healthy for 
for all seven team this year. So we can kind of see, you know, see that awesome ceiling that we've been, been waiting to see since 2019. Absolutely. And it's funny you say, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Miles Sanders in my anatomy, I think I did a uh, top 15 or 16 running backs, whatever it is. I mean, I picked the, the most, you know, uh, top 12 to 24 at each position. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the anatomy of a, an elite running back, Miles Sanders and Christian McCaffrey were the only two that didn't hit the BMI threshold. And sure enough, they're, they're hurt. Um, so, you know, that BMI matters, uh, which one, that is one thing that, uh, Mr. Montgomery does not have to worry about. He's a cheeseburger away from an offensive guard. Yeah, so he's, a, he's right there. The big boy. He's, I think, he's, I think he's now, I think he's slimmed down like two. 218 and 220 still a big boy man that's a good back that's a good size back right yeah he he Um, is a little slimmer what was he overplaying at like 230 235 for a while i think he was too i think so he came in the league i think at 222 yeah and then he kind of and i think he now he's playing at like 218 or so um that's interesting but yeah it it is okay it's interesting because when we talk about like bmi and things like that like working in the field that i work in like you know you kind of understand how how much weight fluctuates for for in-season athletes so a lot of times it's it's sometimes between a five and nine pound threshold so you know because you know you're you're in many car crashes every weekend and you're training for those many car crashes every weekend and you're running around and you're burning so many calories and you know you're not you know you're not lifting as much as you, you probably should be in season you know, but you're trying to stay healthy and, you know, get in the training room and get your treatment, and your massages and, you know, all that type of stuff. So it's hard, man. Like we talk about a lot of these like like receivers and it's like, oh, man, you know, he didn't weigh 200 pounds. Like, you, like dude, he's not going to weigh 200 pounds in general. Like this guy is not going to like we, we talk about Rashad Bateman. It's like, man, like Rashad Bateman, I played around like 190, 195. It doesn't matter. Like Chad Johnson, too, came out and said, well, they listed me like at 185. I played around like 168 to 174, 175. Like these guys don't play at their list of eight. They, they, they play way below that. Um, usually nine, like five to nine pounds or so. But, um, but yeah, it fluctuates quite a bit. But, yeah, it, it, I think for running backs it's, it's tough because, you know, like structural anatomy kind of tells you it matters to an extent. But it's really hot like, – how like how good of a mover are you in terms of your movement qualities? Can you negate collisions and do that type of thing? And um, we're talking about like Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is one of the best movers in the NFL. No um, doubt. But his injury was more of a you know a freak <clears throat> happening in terms of you know someone falls on your ankle. You know that's yeah. You know, it's the nature of the beast, right? Like look at Clyde Edwards Hilaire's injury. That was nuts. Um, stuff like that happens all the time in the league. But uh, you know when we're talking about repeat knee injuries, repeat shoulders, you know, that type of stuff, stuff that Miles Sanders has kind of dealt with, repeat hamstrings. Um, that's when you kind of have to worry a little bit in terms of the structural, you know, the structural part of it is, hey, is there going to be like a degradation sometime? Like, is this going to be a, a repeat happening? Um, but it's tough to, you know, it's tough to quantify it. But, you know, guys like Miles Sanders, it's like this is a make or break season from durability wise too. Can he play all 17? And that's going to determine his role for the rest of his NFL career. Right. Hey, what about speaking of injuries? Sure. Let's talk about the injury that everybody wants to hear you tell me about, which is Conor McGregor's stupid ankle. Oh my god! Let me ask you this question: Before the fight, who were you? Who were you cheering for? Who were you? Oh, did man. you bet or? Okay, I bought the fight, so yeah, uh, I, I was actually watching the fights all night. There's some really good fights, really, really good fights. Yes. Um, 
I was, you know, I just, I just like to, I don't really like have like a, like, I like Conor McGregor. I think he's kind of annoying too sometimes. Yes. Like, like, I think Poirier is pretty good. I think it's just funny because they're very contrasting styles. Who were you cheering for though in that fight? Who did you want to win? Probably Connor. Yeah. That's okay. I kind of want. I kind of want Connor. Like I don't have like a like a dog in the fight. You weren't super one side or the other. No. Yeah. yeah, But his injury was bad. I mean, I think that's going to take him. I mean, I haven't looked into the extent of you know the the ligament ligament damage if there is probably is, Um, and if it was a fracture, which there probably is. Um, But that's a you're looking at a twenty month or so timetable from being like like a hundred percent healthy close to 24 months like that's a long long time um that was tough because i was that, that was a great first round too yes. that was a phenomenal first round yes but it was great it was a great fight and it's unfortunate that he got hurt but i actually think that you know he got hurt a little bit by design i've seen you know a number of um you know clips about you know he thought he heard him a poye that is thought he hurt McGregor's shin and ankle when he checked a kick early on and there was no check you yeah, know if yeah, you yeah. remember yeah, Connor, yeah, yeah. You know, he was fucking <laughs> yeah. saying there wasn't no That's check but so there funny. definitely was a check I don't know that he hurt it then he may have compromised it he may have bruised it he may have done something I've heard a lot wrong. of stuff man I've, I've heard it happened I heard there was an ankle injury during uh during camp when he was training uh I've, I've heard a lot I mean it's just I mean, well, well and then he, and then he threw a kick uh, right before, like literally, yeah, like, like a few seconds before he fell back on it, and um, Poye brought his elbow in and blocked it with his elbow, and he kicked him right on the elbow. And let me tell you, that's bone on bone again. So now it's like whichever bone is stronger, and it, and there's a there's a little bit of a slowdown clip where it looks like it's he doesn't look good on the on the on the foot and on the leg and on the ankle stepping back that first time and then he comes in again he kind of he doesn't really rock him but he kind of hits him Poirier hits Connor Connor steps back a little bit wobbly not he's not out he wasn't dazed or anything but he was just a little loose-legged and he just set that foot down on the wrong angle and it fucking caved in on him so I really tend to think that it was messed up from some sort of repeated you know trauma Right, yeah. where maybe it wasn't cracked yet, but it was compromised. Oh, you know, yeah. maybe it was I a hairline. I don't know. Dude, you combat know. sports in general. Are just, it's incredible, just, right? It, it is incredible because <laughs> your sport is literally beating the living piss out of another human being. Right. And also being able to withstand getting living piss beat out of you. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Like, that's your training, too. Like, that's what you have. And it's just crazy because these guys get – I mean, these guys even have, like, four, three-year careers. They just get – I mean, that's like 15, 20, 30 years of injuries, right? I mean, you are just so messed up when you come out of it. But like, yeah, like, well, well, okay, what was the dude's name? Um, Green hair. Yeah, um, you don't talk about Chris. Fight, Mar- was it I missed it. I was, I was doing some work. I heard, I had people texting me like, you got to see this fight. I'm like, yo, I'm busy. I'll be right Never there. Never seen anything like it in yes, my Yes, that's whole what I heard. Life. It like was 200 significant strikes to the face. Oh, no, like he was... <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the walking dead it, yeah. it's like dude it's like when they like you just hit the zombie in the face with a bat and he just doesn't even get dazed just keeps coming for you i'm like I, I i've never seen anything like it it, it was it was 
unbelievable. I was like texting my my friends, like, "Are you yeah. watching this right are now? Are you watching this? I got a was, bunch like, of are you, you know, watching? They're, this? You know, they're in, they're in, they're in three, and then I'm like, dude, he's still coming. Like he's <laughs> and like his his face was like, oh yes. my god. Like I'm like, God bless America. Like this dude's getting <laughs> bludgeoned out here. I mean, kudos for him for taking the fight, though. I mean, my God, like he took the fight on such short notice, and no one in the yeah. UFC wanted that fight because that's a I right. Mean, yeah, it's a tough fight because of the reason that he got 200 significant dude, strikes to just the face. So accurate, just yeah. And he didn't like he wasn't going down. I was like, dude, like <laughs> you give me like two like a half of those significant strikes and I'm in the ICU and at two, 200 of them things. And you're, you're still, dude, you're still common. Like man, yeah. like major you're walking, just beating a, major like a walking dead, dead sack dead. of potatoes on the ground. Oh, dude, if you hit me just, 200 times like that, like, yeah, they called that fight. And I was kind of upset. I'm like, come on, you got you yeah, like 20 play. seconds or uh, something like that. God, you got to let, let him finish. Fi- let him finish. Yeah. He would have been like a cultural icon. If you finish yes. standing, like God, leave. he would have too. I think, right. It was oh, what, what I heard. Like he, yeah. Yeah, that was wild. He could have gone seven more rounds. Oh, I thought it was over after after like one and a half rounds. I'm like, he is toast. It's over. Zero percent chance. There's zero chance out of the second standing, and so so there was a there was a uh, 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 tweet or something about him, and there was a picture of him like going into work. I guess I I think he works at like a gym or some shit. He does. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. He he went went into work on time on Monday. It was like, yo, what's up? How? How? Like, how do you? If I got beat that badly, you only see me for a little bit. You're not a little bit, bro. I'd be hibernating for two years. I I would need extensive therapy of many kinds. But holy cow! Like that dude. I mean, that was that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in 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 mixed martial arts. I mean, that was just wild. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And uh, of course, I thought the other thing I need to mention is, you know, Poirier was beating Connor's ass. Let's not get it twisted. Don't don't anybody, you know, let you say that the broken foot was the reason oh, why that, he lost. that was his fight. You you could tell at the end of the first round he was gonna Connor kick was the in, shit out of Connor. Well because too it's you know like I mean I I'm not like like I I'm not like super well versed in fighting. Like I'm I understand more like the movement principles and things like that. But like yeah, it, it was it was Poirier's fight. I mean that was he was he was likely going to win that fight. But it was it was cool to watch, man. I mean, that was and that then was and then crazy. so Poirier wins that round. He wins the fight, and then he dominates the post game interviews. I mean, absolutely dominates him. You know, Connor's on the ground with his fucking broken ankle, talking trash. I'm going to beat your ass. It's like you why don't you walk before you start fucking Which threatening take people, a long motherfucker. Time too. Yeah, yeah. It's like just stay down on the ground. Let the doctors tend to your ass, and then shut your mouth. Let me do my winning championship interview, bitch. You know, like yeah. he just he said he told all the haters to. To kiss his entire asshole, he called Conor McGregor a shitbag, and somehow did it all with class. He's like donating, you know, money <laughs> to Uganda. Like the dude just fucking, dude. Yeah, I mean, man. Mike dropped that shit. Like, and then, and then, you know, Joe Rogan goes over and has to squat next to the fucking lame Conor McGregor, and he's out there just inebriated. Dude. He sounded fucking hammered. He was completely dizzy. He's bleeding out of his fuck his ear. You know. And his legs in a splint. He's like, "I'll fuck you up." It's like, you will do no such thing. Wow. And then Khabib, after the fight, tweets out that if they fought a hundred times, Poye would win a hundred times. The pylon was for real. And Connor, who I thought was one of the greatest front runners I've ever seen in my life, like he was the most entertaining shit talker of all time, has no idea how to lose. 
zero clue. Oh yeah, he's not he's not the best showman in the world. He you know he it's it's funny because he brought you know one thing he did do a good job of is I'm not a big fan of his antics and how he acts sometimes. He's like the furthest thing from classy, but he brought a lot of attention to the sport, which is. And the sport deserves a lot of attention because of how difficult that sport is. I mean, mixed yes. martial arts is no joke. And at the highest level, these guys are some of the best athletes on the planet. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Well, well, well Poye got like – I think it was – his purse was like $5 million plus or whatever. So, like he made $5 million fighting that fight. There are zero mm-hmm. other people he could have fought that he would have gotten anywhere close to that number. Even fighting for the championship, I think he's about a million or so like – total after all so like he's not making that kind of money connor walked away with like 25 million for the fight he made <clears throat> that the the floyd mayweather fight he made like 50 some odd million yeah. floyd by the way made 250 million for the connor mcgregor fight i mean talk about imagine that like you're a world-class boxer this shit bag walks in you're like no chance just let me it's like a sparring session for mayweather for 250 million dollars Lord have mercy. Yeah, Although the risk was he was going to get caught with something. That was the only risk, and he just didn't even take that risk. He just beat his ass. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, the money's the money's there because of Connor's antics, but I thought maybe he could have been a better loser. You know, hey, when you're, when you're winning, you want to talk that trash. That's great. But, man, if he just sat there and said, that dude just beat my ass, broke my leg, I'm coming back for his ass, everybody would have been like, yo, all right. But instead, he he just he afforded himself poorly, sounded like a complete loser, and 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 basically what he called him a shitbag, you know. And I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. So Dustin Poirier won. I'd love to see. It. I, I can't wait to watch him fight again. That dude's a, a great fighter because yeah, good, even man. when he's behind in a fight, he ain't. He's a tough dude. He can take some hits, you know, and come back as he did in the last Connor fight. If you remember the last Connor fight, Connor had him beat. He had him hurt badly. And Poye just turned it around. And, and I remember I was watching it. And, you know, of course, you know, I wasn't recording a podcast while I'm watching it. But I remember saying, uh, Connor needs to finish him right now because if not, he's going to be gassed. And Poye could come back. It's possible. Everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's getting his. And sure enough, like, Poye has that kind of heart. So I give him all the credit in the world. I know it's a, a dynasty football podcast, but uh, Poye, man, I was so fucking proud of that dude. Yeah, man. He, he yeah, was, that, was, that was awesome, man. It's just going to be one of those things, too, you know, that you're going to keep wanting to watch that guy fight, you know. Speaking of continuing to want to watch a guy fight, let's uh let's shift over to our, our rookies and we'll we'll keep fighting each other because I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you where I'm at and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of bounce off each other. You know, I think the quarterbacks are kind of settled news. I mean, I don't know, man. I, is it, it, Trevor Lawrence your, your, your quarterback one? I mean, just kind of by default or, or are you a hot take there? No, I think it's not. I mean, yeah, it's just. I think Trevor Lawrence has all the tools that you could want in a modern day NFL quarterback. So I think you have yeah. to kind of go with him. But my two is Justin Fields from day one. Bingo. Um, and it's not very far off either because Justin Justin Fields, I think, I, I, Trevor Lawrence is a very underrated runner. Uh, I think yep. Justin Fields could be a special runner. Hmm. Um, and that's the that's kind of the thing is I don't think Justin Fields is as polished as a passer as Lawrence is, but I think he, he has nearly just as much upside. So, I mean, yep. I'm a Chicago bears fan born and raised my gosh, I was doing backflips uh, when they traded up. But um, yeah, then it goes for me, Lance. And the one I'm the lowest on is Wilson. Um, hmm. I, I just, you know, is it, 
I think for me, he, he reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler, a lot of Jay, which is good and bad. Um, Jay Cutler can sling the piss out of the ball, right? Yep. But accuracy issues, attitude issues, um, just that type of thing. Like with, with a guy like Wilson, is is that going to be something that's pretty prevalent? But Yeah, I mean, I think Wilson's got bust written all over him. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> As I hand a glass of wine to my beautiful wife. Oh, my God. What a lucky guy I am. You guys don't even know. You know, people ask me if I have a rookie draft model. The only model I got is my wife. That's it, baby. Um, so, you know, we, we – but you're right. I think I think Zach Wilson has all the all the makings of a bust. Um, you know, it's – he does ha- also have ceiling to him because, like you, you said, he's got the big arm. and. Right. That's enough, man. That's tools. And, you know, I've argued that I was on a podcast earlier today and they were dissecting the my anatomy of a, you know, of this position, that position. And we got to quarterback. I was like, it's the hardest position because so much of it is between the ears and so much of it is processing your emotions, you know, like not just your emotions on the field, like in practice, being coached, you know, every rep, you know, you have to be the emotional, spiritual leader of the team. You have to you have to understand the tempo and tenor of, of everybody. Like there's so much to know. You have to be smart. You have to process information. You have to make great decisions. And yeah, you also have to have the physical tools to be able to make those plays. But like Patrick Mahomes is so special because he combines those two things, right? right. He has this amazing ability and freakish um, skill set. But then he's, I mean, he's a really great decision maker. I mean, I know he throws some danger throws, but you know what? He knows what he's doing. He, if he needs to play it safe, he could do it. He does it. Cause he's, you know, got a little bit of degaff, but yeah, going back to Wilson, I think he's got just a few too many red flags. The, the college, um, you know, uh, opponents he played, he did not have a, a, a level of competition that would signify anything. Um, I've argued for Mac Jones in a way that's like, what more did you want him to do? Like, Literally, yeah. I'm asking specifically, what more would you have wanted Mac Jones to have done? 13-0 national championship, made a guy a uh, Heisman Trophy Award winner, 80% completion percentage, 12, per, 12 yards per attempt, like four picks, 40-something touchdowns. Like, like he did awesome. everything he was supposed to do. So I don't know what more he could have done to make himself a better prospect other than, you know, not look so pudgy with his shirt off. <laughs> I think Mac Jones is super interesting because the one thing that he, you know, if you watch a lot of the Alabama film, especially some like the All Twenty Two stuff or even the game film, you you'll see the his deep ball. Even when you look at watch their pro day, flutters a little bit. I, I think that's the thing that's tough. It's he he underthrew Smith and Waddle a little bit and Mechie a little bit too much. That was the only thing they probably want to see a little more of is be a little more accurate deep and have a little bit more of an arm. Um, but he's a good he's gonna be a good NFL quarterback. He's not gonna be great, but he's gonna be good. He's not gonna lose you games, in my opinion. I don't think he's gonna what? like pick pick team on his back and win you a game like a Patrick Mahomes or a, you know, guys like that, but I I I think he's a he's a good NFL quarterback and lands in a good situation in New England. So it sounds like we have them the same, which is I do have uh, Trevor Lawrence one and Fields like kind of one B, but really two, just solid two. And then I have Trey Lance three. You're with me there. And then kind of a close Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. But 
I prefer Mac Jones. And I also specifically prefer Mac Jones generally because you can get him after, like if I'm in the late first, I can let him fall to me. I pick 11, sometimes 12. He's just like right there. And it's like, Oh, I need a quarterback. I'm pick 11. Jeez pick. You know, it's like, it's an easier guy to attain in a rookie draft, which I find delightful. Um, I've actually taken a few uh, Zach Wilson stabs as well. Again, I think, you know, the one thing with Zach Wilson that we do know that does matter in Dynasty is he's going to be starting week one. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, that, that he's going to be under center or, you know, in shotgun probably, but he's going to be there week one, and, and that creates value. It's like the Daniel Jones, Josh Allen thing where, you know, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to take a step forward, and we certainly did not know that Josh Allen was going to do what he did last year. But they were able to survive two years as as a starting quarterback. Even Dwayne Haskins, who kind of you know sucked, um, you know, held value, uh, you know, after his rookie year uh, because of the sort of promise that he would play. Now, you know, he obviously f- fucked it all up uh, royally. But I don't think either Zach Wilson or um, uh, Mac Jones will do that. It, I, you never know. I mean, there's no way to know. I always. I always say with these with these guys, we don't we don't get to talk to them. We don't know what's between the ears. We don't know right. what's in their emotional processing. So very very difficult for us to gauge. Uh, we go by what they did in, in college. And think about Haskins. I mean, he was dope in college. Like, what? How did we see that coming? I mean, I think it's oh, yeah. impossible. It, it's it's so hard because I mean, especially yeah. quarterback. Quarterback is such a hard position in terms of the mental side of it. Like the aptitude there is, is really difficult. You, not only do you have to be, you know, a sound processor of information, you know, understand checks, understand different different types of defenses. You have to understand that you you are the you're the captain of the ship here. You, you have to be able to, you know, understand your teammates, their mentalities, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that not a lot of young people can do, especially when you're talking about these right. kids are 21 to 23 years old coming out of college. So it, it's very hard to ask a 23-year-old male, you know, to to grow up enough to understand what the 28-year-old male across from is thinking, the 26-year-old. And that's the thing is it's, it's hard to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL because and, – And to be the leader of a multi-billion that's dollar the corporation. The big thing is you are the face of a multi-billion dollar corporation <laughs> yes. Yes. at 20, 22 years old I mean, it's just keys not, in your hand. Yeah. Keys yeah, in your hand. Exactly. And, that, and that's hard, yep. man. That, that's a very difficult spot to be in emotionally. So that's not <laughs> something that everybody handles well. I mean, it, it's a lot of, I mean, at that level, man, the, the, the degree of talent is very, the, the margin's small. Yes. Like that's what Super separates small. guys like, like a guy like Dwayne Haskins, for example, super, right. t- uber talented guy. Right? <laughs> of course. But yes, it just didn't work out from between the years. You know, it just, right. it's, he, that's just how it was. And like guy like Mitch Trubisky, well, I'm, I'm a big Bears fan. Man, Mitch is a phenomenal kid, right? He is a good kid. But yep. just couldn't process information. It's, just couldn't couldn't think on the fly. Offense had to be catered down and water, yes. watered down and designed for him to be more of a runner um, and just use some play action, some simple stuff. But, I mean, man, it's like that's just, it's a harder position. In the one of the, It's one of the hardest positions in the world to play. Yes, and team absolutely. sport for sure. Yeah, like hockey goalie and like oh, you know, dude, yeah, tough. That's a tough <laughs> hitting one. a fucking you know <laughs> ninety three mile an hour 
sinker, you know, like, yeah. four, you know, yeah. splitter yeah. or whatever. It's like, get out of here with all that shit. Yeah. But, you know, certainly quarterback is tough, man. And, and I, I'm with you. It sounds like we basically got it the same, which I think is the correct answer. It's just, it is. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean I, I'm sure that that answer won't be the correct answer in four years. Like somehow or another, we'll be like, Oh shit, turns out that was a little bit wrong. But I think generally if you're making the bet, I think that's the smart bet and we'll see where the chips fall. But I'm with you with Justin Fields. As a matter of fact, quick aside as a Patriots fan with the 15th pick, I'll tell you, man, I was hoping the Pats were going to go up and get Justin Fields. Yeah. I thought they I'm were, okay. actually, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with Mac Jones, but I am a little jelly of your uh, of your Justin Thank Fields God, acquisition, yeah. brother. For sure, for sure. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, the, we, Chicago Bears need that, for sure. They needed it, man. I will say you needed it more than we did. That's for 100% oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, you guys are top Brady forever. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, we, we got, yeah, I've been I've been hey. Shane Matthews, Cade McNown, <laughs> like Jim Miller, like man, like dude, come on. Like I I said it was with uh with Sam Holt last week. I said don't worry, um uh Mac Jones is not human. He's actually a, a like a like a a clone and they just use Tom Brady. He's a he's basically offspring of Tom Brady. It's all good. Don't worry. It's just another 20 hey, years. Man, we'll see. Booking. You might be right on that actually. You, you never know. We'll find out in 6 months. <laughs> We'll find out soon. Speaking of Mac Jones, when do you think he starts? I mean, you know, the, the Cam Newton experience is, you know, obviously interesting at best. What what do you see happening there? Because that's actually a big one uh, for us in Scott Fishbowl as well. The way we sort of played that, I, I, I forgot. Now, did you did you you drafted them both? I didn't did you? take them both. I, I like that move, by the way. I Thank liked you. it a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. So, it, how do you see that playing out? It depends on how healthy Cam is. I saw I saw a video recently. Cam was, or I think it was an interview actually of Cam and. He was talking about how it's his first time he's been healthy uh, in his shoulder, his throwing shoulder since, you know, gosh, like four or five years ago, like 2017, he said. Hmm. So if he's if a health, if he's healthy, healthy Cam Newton's a dangerous man. So, um, yep. but I think Max starts by, they're not a playoff team. Max starts by week. Easy now. Easy now. I don't know. Max starts Easy by now. week. Come on. I think Max starts by week 11. I think, yeah. I think that's kind of what I, I think that you give him the last quarter or so of the season um you know to acclimate and then i think he starts obviously 2022 day one i think he's a day one starter next year yeah um because then i think next is going to be a big you know big deal to, to to build around him they don't i don't think the Patriots have a ton of weapons right now you know nelson no. agler is your wide receiver one isn't great um no. but i think him you know him born myers are okay those are serviceable weapons i think Jonu sure. smith and hunter henry are, are are good tight ends those aren't bad weapons at all at tight end position but I think you want to try to get him a little more elite, elite weapons in terms of talent on the outside. Um, but yeah, I think, I think week eleven or so is when we kind of see the Mac Jones experience take effect. I, I think they have a shot at the playoffs. Actually, I don't really? think they're a. Yes, I don't think they're a playoff team. Let me let me give you the case for the New England Patriots. First of all, they are completely zigging when everybody else is zagging. Um, you know, last year they had an elite secondary. Their secondary was great. Their offensive line is top five in the NFL. Uh, they now have they 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 tried to win a rock fight last year. You know, I was talking with Evan Silva, and it was like you know they played this style of football that was like you know they they tried to win a rock fight, but the problem was is they didn't have a defensive front worth of shit. You know, they just lost everybody. Now they get Matt Judon, they get Dante Hightower back. They drafted Christian Barmore. Like they really Van Oy is back. They're probably I don't know what's going to happen with. Um, uh, Winovich, he might get traded yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean now he's a little bit on the outside looking in with that front being upgraded. 
Um, they, they got bigger and stronger on that offensive front, I mean, on the defensive front. Like I said, the offensive line is dope. There are some road graders. They're able to move people. I think if they go with, you know, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Sony Michelle, if he makes the team, running downhill, you know, option. They played a lot of two tight ends last year. They just didn't throw it to them because yeah, they couldn't. I mean, they're, they they're a 12 Izzo. personnel team, man. They're a yeah, they had Izzo team. out there. All, all He played like almost a thousand snaps, I believe. But um, he didn't uh, He didn't see like 10 targets all year. Right. So dude plays a thousand snaps, doesn't see 10 targets. I mean, obviously he's not in the passing game. Now you replace him with Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, who are – Two very serviceable tight ends to play twelve to play twelve with. They can play big. They can play that grind it out, beat you up type of football. Um, they can cover and they can rush. Now, I don't know, man. Look, they're not going to be an elite offense. They're not going to win oh. thirty eight to thirty four. No, no, no. They're going to slow it down, fewer possessions, that type of thing. I think they can win that way. Of course, it de- it is determined by Cam Newton being average to a well, little bit above right. and we saw it with the chicago bears at the end of last year the last quarter of the season when mitch trubisky you know retook the helm it was play action you know don't read right that was it you know you go 12 <laughs> personnel and you just you hand the ball off and you know you hope for the best and you know, obviously the bears have had the one of the worst offensive lines in the nfl um last year it worked out pretty well because you know like you said, zigging instead of zagging. And also the Bears are a fair defense, just like the Patriots do. So yes. I see a lot of parallels in that capacity. But, I mean, I think Newton's a lot better quarterback than Mr. Trubisky is. But I think, you know, a lot of the zone read stuff, that's going to be something that, you know, that's that's put in the offense. And that, especially with if Cam Newton, if it's a healthy Cam Newton, that's something he does extremely well. And yes. I think that's a, that's a dangerous weapon to have, especially because you have two very good tight ends, and especially Jody Smith's probably the Probably the best run after the catch threat at the position, uh, in my opinion. Yes. So that's a him and George Kittle. So that's a big deal yep. too. Is you have to account for that in every single down. If if that tight end's leaking out on play action, that's a dangerous thing. So that, that's gonna be a fun to watch offense for sure. You know, Cam last year. Let's see. I'm just looking it up. I mean, dude. He. <laughs> I mean. He, he had almost 600 yards and 12 touchdowns uh, on the ground. I think he's a da- still a dangerous rusher. For sure. You know, he's he's big and strong. I mean, he was just – he was very, very compromised, um, you know, clearly in that throwing shoulder. He only missed one game with COVID somehow. I guess they had their bye week or whatever. I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Right? I yeah, mean, he so did. So he only missed one game with COVID. And um, I don't – look, he was – Worse after COVID, whether that's because or I don't know. I don't know why, but was it defenses figured him out? Was it he was sick? I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. But if it was COVID, I mean, and the dude's shoulders, I mean, right? In other words, there's a couple of ifs, and I, I understand there's a lot of ifs. And then, but I guess my point is, is if in fact none of that's working, and you're right there, two and five or one and four, yeah, you might see Mac Jones early. So they're either going to win with Cam or go to Mac Jones, I think I is very clearly the point. In terms of Justin Fields, do you think do you think he starts week one, play one? No, I don't think so. Uh, okay. I, I think they ease him into it. I think, you know, I think Nagy having success with the Patrick Mahomes route when he was there at Alex Smith, I think he wants hmm. to use that blueprint again. Um, Interesting. As a Bears fan, I don't – I think the Bears have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL this year. So I don't see them – 
being any more than even with Justin Fields. I think they're much more than eight and eight team this year. So it's one of those where you want to get the kids' feet wet. I think he does play around week eight. I think that's kind of when you make the decision. Singer swimming the season. Andy Dalton's fine. He's okay. You know, he's a middle of the roadish quarterback, a little below that. Um, he's not going to win you games, but I think they want Justin Fields to watch a little bit and to learn. Hmm. Um, is that the right decision? I can't say. Uh, well, that was that was my next question. Is if you, were, I mean, look, obviously, if you were in charge, you'd have more information. But based on the information that you have, like just sort of knowing, you know, the general situation in terms of what type of prospect Fields is and what type of player Dalton is and what type of team you have, those things you mm-hmm. know, the personalities, the the how he's progressing, how he's learning the offense, the fuck do we know, right? But with the information that you have, what would you do? It depends on, honestly, it, it, obviously it's a cop-out, but it does depend for me on, you know, mentally, is he prepared and is he ready for be a day one NFL starter as a rookie? If I think he is, then I play him immediately. Because I think physically, okay. he, he, physically he's more prepared than Andy Dalton is. I agree, by the but, way. I think yeah. if he's mentally there, I would go I, with I, him I right away. So. It, in, in Matt, Matt Nagy's West Coast offense is a, is a complicated offense to understand. So it's if he understands that offense and has a good enough grasp to where he's not making day one mistakes, then I think right. you start him on day one. Um, yeah. But I don't I think, think that's fair. Yeah. I, I think Nagy does, you know, people are going to be pissed, but Nagy's going to, Nagy's not going to play Justin Fields day one, in my opinion. I think the Chicago Bears fans faithful will have a ton of pressure on the front office, the media, and the coaching staff if Andy Dalton quote unquote, ain't, if this ain't it, you know, uh, right. If he ain't it, they're not going to be like, Oh, this is fine. We're three and you know, whatever, three and five, let's just keep rolling. That's not going to be good enough. They're either going to want to win right away or get the kid in there and see what he's got. You can just see that coming from a mile away. So I I tend to think he might, I think there's a bet. There's at least a 50, 50 chance. He starts week one. Because I think he's that much better than oh, Andy I, Dalton I, I today. I hundred percent think. I think he gives him a he gives you a better chance to win. The question is, will he be ready enough to play the Rams of all Aaron Donald in your first, probably not first but NFL game? I mean, that's the I thing think, is you don't want to stunt the kid's growth because of because of, that's that's the tough thing is you know I think he's everything I've seen the reports the interviews. I think he's a very, you know, head like headstrong, good mental, like good mental game, that type of kid. But you don't want to stunt his growth with, you know, a bad performance against one of the best defensive players in NFL history. So, well, if one bad game against a great team stunts his growth, then he ain't it anyway. I agree. So yeah, let's see him. You know, I, I agree. I'm of the opinion that this team is a high variance team anyway. I mean, do you really want another, you know, eight and seven, you know, you know, team that's like maybe if we win another game or two, we get into the playoffs and lose for sure in the first round? Or I, I think Adam Levitan said it. You know. Uh, Justin Fields is the is is the higher variance player. In other words, he gives you tremendously higher upside than Andy Dalton, and of course, lower floor I think than Andy Dalton because he could just sort of 100%. have a right. So, don't you want that? You don't want eight and nine. Uh, you know, with with Andy Dalton, you either want like four and thirteen, or you know, playoffs. Well, yeah, right? I think you either he, want a shot or fucking good draft. Pick. I I a hundred percent agree. I think 
if you think he's ready, I think you just toss him out there. Um, I yeah. think mentally, if you think he can, if he can handle it and he's prepared enough, yeah, you just toss him out there. Cause I think you're right is either you win or you get a really good draft pick. And, yeah. And I mean, you're right. It's if, not going to matter. Right, if he's not trade, ready. Yeah. If he's not ready, don't just fucking fire him out there and be like, well, good luck kid. Uh, you know, you do have an adequate placeholder if he's just not like, you know, you're like ready, ready to put him in there. And he's like, what was that fucking audible again? You're like, never mind. Just fucking Andy Dalton play. Yeah, like, I get it. Like if he's a little bit like skittish and unsure and but if he's in there grasping everything, get that get that dude in there because he's going to be dope. Yeah, I agree. Um, but let's get let's get off of quarterbacks, man. We've been talking about quarterbacks, you know, running backs. I know it's it's like so much fun to talk about running backs. There's like three running backs in this class. I think, you know, you you probably love them all to some degree, but um, tell us a little bit about what you think about the top three when it comes to Najee Harris, uh, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. Um, and, you know, I'm on record. I'm a big Javante Williams fan. I feel like the roles are reversed because Javante feels a lot like David Montgomery. Um, you know, like he, he just he, – he really does. I mean – I think he's a little bit better athlete and, you know, he has certainly a better um, uh, performance profile. In other words, yeah. his his numbers were way better. I mean, he was eight yards of carry, you know, almost uh, seven, eight or seven, nine. And, you know, David Montgomery struggled with that. It was a different team. I get it. You know, that's not yards per carry isn't like, oh, he's better. But, you know, sure. you know, the, 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 the profiles are a little bit different. But I think that the players are similar, similar size. Uh, they both wore um, that year's best tackle breaker. Yeah, right? they did. Um, yeah. And they both ran about a high four five. Yeah, high four uh, five, low four six forty. Right, uh, they're similar they're, prospects. Very, yeah, I, I think their style of play is also pretty similar. I yep. think David Montgomery has a little bit. I think he's more advanced in terms of you know, movement wise, but I yep. think Javante Williams is a is a more aggressive player and which is a yes. good thing. I think he's more of a Chris Carson plus type guy for me, which is not a bad thing at all. And I think when we right. talk about like some of that, the big three of this class, I think Najee Harris is far and away the best one. I don't think it's particularly close because a guy of, you know, his stature, six two, two hundred and thirty 230 plus pounds who can move the way he does with such fluidity and grace and also yeah. be, not even a capable pass catcher. He's the best pass catcher in this class. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, can line up in multiple positions, catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, he can line up in the slot. He, he could beat you in a you know, ton of different ways. He's a very good athlete. We think of athlete a lot of times. We think of the 40-yard after. We think of very linear driven. He's an extremely, extremely promising lateral athlete. And at 235 yes. pounds, you don't really see that oftentimes in the NFL, especially at the running back position nowadays. Um, ETN's interesting too. Very linear, very much the Miles Sanders, Ronald Jones type. Hit a home run or you're getting a dud. That that that's kind of what he is. Can he develop is the question that we don't have the answer for. If he develops, he's a Pro Bowl caliber running back, just like Miles Sanders. That, I've said that with Miles Sanders and Ronald Jones, and I firmly believe that if they develop into their ceiling or near their ceiling, Pro Bowl caliber Pro Bowl caliber players, Pro Bowl caliber prospects. That's what they are. But if and when is the question? Um, we don't have the answers for that. I think when we talk about Javante Williams, a little bit safer. I, I think he is going to be a David Montgomery type in terms of value. That's a big deal. And when we talk about David Montgomery, 
that's the one thing that comes to mind is he can handle the 20 touch workload. Their ability is in his profile, right? That that's who he is, right? He can handle 20 plus touches a game and he'll probably be afforded opportunity this year, in my opinion. So that's a big yeah. deal because, you know, with those touches come goal and opportunities, you know, that's a big deal. So I'm a big, I like Williams a lot. I think he's one of those players that could be a good buy low after this season. Cause I, I think Melvin Gordon gets a good chunk of work. Um, I disagree there. I, I just don't think they're going to be competitive enough. Um, to where you're just going to phase Melvin Gordon completely out and go with the better option at this point, you know, in their careers. But I mean, we I'm not sure I agree with that. I, 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 there's been, a, look, all the beat writers are saying, and look, beat writers can, you know, if you, if you printed all the beat writers stories and wrote a book, it'd be called fiction. Uh, but you know, I get it, but they, they, the, the word has been, you know, from everybody that's, that's around campus that Javante is just the guy I did a podcast recently, and and one of my guests shared with me that he was a valedictorian. He was he, high school valedictorian. Yeah, dude, played linebacker this, too. Yeah, former linebacker came in as a linebacker. Learned the game. I mean, this dude is—he's just the guy. And you know, if so, I think if he hits, I think if he hits, his floor is David Montgomery, right? Obviously, if he is a bust, of course, you know the floor is always zero with all these prospects. But I think, I think. He's going to immediately be involved, if not immediately be sort of the one A to one B to Melvin Gordon, if not week one by like you know early in the. Oh, season. I think it's like, a pretty even split. I, I think so. He, early I think on, he takes it over. And then I think yeah, he early takes, on, sure. But I think he sure. takes over. I think by the by the first quarter of this, there's gonna be. I think with, with Williams, there's gonna be a small by uh, a by low window. I think there is gonna oh, I be. I hope so. I think there is. It, it happens with a lot of different prospects. I'm in 20 leagues, and the two leagues I don't have them, I definitely want to go ahead and get them early. Exactly. The yeah. So I think there will be one, whether it's you know <laughs> after the season or you know quarter of the way through the season. Um, I think it's a it is some sort of split. Um, and we got to see what happens with Melvin Gordon. You know, if he's healthy and, you know, he makes it through camp, um, then that's a different story. But uh, I, I like Williams a lot, man. I think he's going to be a, yeah. be a fun player to watch for years to come. Angelo, my first, uh, my first uh, intuition with Javante Williams was the Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb corollary with Melvin Gordon, Javante okay, Williams. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily player comp, but situation comp where, you know, Mel, uh, uh, um, Nick Chubb was like, he, he got like two and three and four carries a game for like, it was a little bit too long. Like it was like six, seven, eight weeks. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? And like his last week of like three carries, he had like three carries, 110 yards and two touchdowns or some shit. He was like, can you play me a little bit? And they're like, oh, is, is Nick Chubb good? It's like, yeah, fucking idiots, you know? Um, I don't know that he's as good as Nick Chubb. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's, at all as good as Nick Chubb as certainly not as a prospect. Okay. But I also think that the, the situation was more what I was talking about that, you know, it'd be sort of that thing where it's like, you know, clearly he's better, but he's not getting as many touches and they'd have to correct that, fix that. He'd be dope toward the end of the season. Right. Right. Yeah. It could definitely happen for sure. And then, and then I'm with you with, with, um, Najee. I think he's absolutely a win now, uh, 1.01 in a, in a one quarterback league. It's he's a worthwhile pick there. He, he traditionally goes 1.01 1, 1 in yeah. all those sort of um, in all those leagues. Um, you know, sometimes you see Jamar Chase, sometimes you see Kyle Pitts. While we're here, what are your thoughts about Kyle Pitts from your perspective? Um, 
you know, and, and how are you treating him in redraft dynasty best ball? Like, t- tell me kind of what your thoughts are on Kyle Pitts. I think he's a really interesting prospect because he's my number one grader receiver. That's what he mm-hmm. is. I think in today's NFL, right. he is a wide receiver. Uh, I think with the way he plays, his style of play, his movement capabilities, um, he, you know, he's he's a unicorn. There's a couple of those in this class. He is one of them. He, he's my only Hall of Fame level prospect in this class. Uh, he's a special talent. And, you know, it's it's funny because everybody's like, well, do I take him at 101? It's, how special do you think the kid is? That's the that's – the, that's how you got to answer it. If you think he's a Hall of Fame level talent, you don't get many of those, you take him at 101. If you could take Travis Kelsey at 101 and have that type of production for a decade, would you do it? Not well, that's the not qu- really, right? That, 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 because that's, if, that's the question. If, if Chris if Christian McCaffrey's there, See, exactly. and you're right? So that's right. the thing is you got to weigh that. Some people would say absolutely 100%, 100 out of 100. I you know I I want to be, you know, head and shoulders above my my league mates in terms of that position. Right. Some people are like no, no, man. I'm taking, I'm taking the proven quarterback. I'm taking, I'm taking a running back here. So it really depends on what you think of the kid in terms of how special is he and where does that fall on the line in terms of your team composition and also how you view the other positions in the league. But I think he's a fantastic talent. I think from day one, he he's, he might break the mold of the tight end not being. Um, not being a great rookie producer because of how Atlanta's constructed. Absolutely. Their defense is terrible. Like they are going to <laughs> they're gonna be bottom third of the bottom quarter of the league in points allowed. Um so it's gonna be one of those interesting things to see. They're gonna be playing from behind a ton. Matt Ryan's gonna have to chuck the ball down the field. They don't have Julio Jones anymore. You know, Kyle Pitts might see what, a hundred plus targets in his rookie year? I mean Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Olamide Zakishis. I mean, there's not a lot there. So I think Kyle Pitts might break that mold. I, I don't disagree. So a little bit back to the question, how are you treating him in dynasty leagues? In other words, I mean, tell me, you know, I mean, what are you doing with him? Because I've, I've said what I'm doing with him, and I don't know that I'm right. I'm always a little bit skeptical of myself and, you know, that's just the kind of analyst I am. I, I just feel like I'm constantly questioning myself, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Like, what are you doing with him in Dynasty? And, and or, like, I'll give you an example, okay? I'm in the Scott Fishbowl. I took Kyle Pitts at 3.02. I took Waller at 111, Kamara at 2.2, and then Kyle Pitts at 3.2. And the reason I took Kyle Pitts is I, because that's a – 1900 man tournament i recognize the upside of kyle pitts and so in that format give me fucking kyle pitts because if he hits his ceiling i have waller and pitts in a full point well it's a half point ppr and a half point um uh first down premium for tight ends which is basically a full ppr uh premium for tight ends i've got two dope tight ends who are just going to see 130 targets. Like if that actually happens, like I see the upside. Now I also understand the downside. And like if he busts, not bust, but like if he's like a, you know, he gets 72 targets for, you know what? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's certainly possible. My point is like, so, but in dynasty, I sort of look at it like I still would rather have Dalvin cook than kill Kittle or Waller or Kelsey. So if I if I think Najee or Javante are possibly close to you know Gibson, 
you know, right? Any of these guys, I still would rather them than Pitts. So I've been fading him in Dynasty, not because I don't think he's good, but just because of positional scarcity and just the values. And I, I may be wrong is what I'm saying. I'm not saying like here, I, listen to me. I know what sure. the fuck I'm talking about. It's more that I understand who he is as a prospect, but what are we doing with him in Dynasty? And what are you doing with him in redraft and best ball? It's tough. I think in Dynasty, the one thing I'm – I'm doing more now than I did in the past is I'm looking at being more aggressive with my rookie draft moving up to the you know, top three slot um, and understanding that running backs can grow on trees if you play the drafts right. So for me, for example, like let's say, you know, I understand that Jameer Gibbs in two years is going to be probably a, you know, a, a first or early second round draft. Right. He's going to have the draft cap would be a, a top 12 running back potentially in fantasy. I know that my running backs only have a four year shelf life or so. Anything after that is complete gravy. Kyle Pitts offers me probably 12 years of nearly to elite production. That's three times the amount of production in terms of that window of being nearly to elite than some of these other guys might give me. Like that, That's a good like point. that are, you know, if I'm like, okay, Antonio Gibson versus. Versus a guy like Kyle Pitts. Well, I'm going to take Kyle Pitts because he's going to give me three times the duration of production, potentially, right? Yeah. And I think he's a higher ceiling prospect than a guy like Gibson. I like Gibson a ton, but Gibson's probably going to give us what? If Gibson gives us four more years, <laughs> that'd be amazing. We're going to be doing backflips. Yeah, you're delighted. Kyle, I agree. Kyle Pitts yep. can give us a decade, and that's what you know. That's what it comes down to, really. So for me, it's like okay, I can. I'm more. I'm happier with being more aggressive in my rookie drafts of getting the guys, you know, taking my stab at it, you know, a Jameer Gibbs or Bajon Robinson, or like next year going with, okay, I'm going to, you know, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, those guys. And understanding those are some of the guys that might get that RB1 caliber workload. Um, but I don't want to miss out on my can't miss prospects. Like if I can get a Travis Kelsey type in terms of production and <laughs> workload, I'm yeah. going to take that because I can get a running back next year via trade. But especially if you're in tight end premium leagues, man, the <clears throat> the unicorn types, the tight end position, Waller, Kelsey, Kittle to some extent, if he's if he's remains durable, those guys are dang near untradeable, right? You can't touch yeah. those guys. So uh, for me, you know, Kyle Pitts, I see him in that same line and ascending into that that type of tier, um, the potentially being on tight end Mount Rushmore one day. I mean, those guys don't come along often, so. For me, that's kind of my strategy is I want to take them, um, especially especially in Dynasty. In redraft, I'm like, man, just get just go get Travis Kelsey. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like if you want the elite tight end, don't guess, just go get them. Cause that's a position you don't want to guess at. It's well you sure you sure did. In your in your draft, you took him at the 1.03. I would imagine it, it went Mahomes uh CMC or yeah. was it different? Uh-huh. It was like that. I was I was I was hoping to get Mahomes there and come Waller in the second. Um, but I believe that, yeah, that, that's kind of how it, that's how it went. But, um, but yeah, the Scott Fishbowl is a ton of fun, man. Um, this is my second, this is my second go. So I'm hoping to, last year I think I was in the top 12. So my hope this year is to do the same thing and hopefully the, you know, obviously everybody wants to win it, but like, you know, I, <laughs> I just want to get back there, you know? Yeah, I, I have one of the most unique lineups or or drafts in the Scott Fish Bowl. I mean, I do. <clears throat> you know, I have both Waller and Pitts. Uh, even, uh, you know, the team, I think there's only like five teams that have Waller and Pitts. 
There's only like 10 teams that have uh, Kittle and Pitts, and there's about the same that have Kelsey and Pitts. So, you know, and I don't think there's very many that have Waller and Kelsey or Waller and Kittle because it's very hard to do um, just, you know, because they're going so early in that tight end premium format. And so I've got them both. And like I said, if if they do both hit, it'll be a it'll be a small circle of people who have them both. And then I bet I bet on some late season guys like Javante Williams and Trey Lance. I I took big swings with them. I took Trey Lance at the 502, Javante at the 611. I did get Mike Davis as you got Mike Davis, although I did take Javante at 611, Mike Davis at 702. I noticed you took Mike Davis over Javante. I was less uh, – I, I did not want to lose Javante. I would have been okay losing Mike Davis. You felt the opposite. Tell me a little bit about a redraft you know, tournament where, you know, again, Scott Fishbowl, you took uh, Mike Davis over Javante Williams. Was it close? Did you think about Javante? Oh, yeah. Or did you not think there? That was kind of – I was between – I was actually between those two. And my thought process was, um, for me, I want always like in a, in a tournament style like this redraft, I always want the for sure – at running back because it's, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's not P, it's not full point PPF for backs. Um, so it's – I want the sure thing in terms of volume. You know, sure. I, I want the sure things in terms of volume. Um, and that's kind of how I drafted last year too. Like I wanted the guys who I'm like, okay, these are going to be your guys. We're going to get 15 to 20 touches per game. I'm going to feel pretty safe there. Um, and doing the same thing. Like at receiver too, like Mike Evans is a perennial, like thousand yard guy. You know, I know I can kind of trust him. And I think guys like Devonta Smith and um, Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore, those are my three safest um, that I had pegged as my three safest receivers in this class in terms of immediate NFL production. I think they're the most NFL sure. ready, um, not necessarily the highest ceiling guys, but I think those three are, are going to be immediate NFL producers. I think more might come on a little later in the season as Zach Wilson ascends into being a, hopefully a capable NFL quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like tournaments are always fun because it's, it's, it depends, especially this, I mean, 1900 people, man, every draft is so different. Um, but I'm always trying to get guys that I don't have to guess with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I want to, I just, I, I, in the first 10 rounds of this draft, I'm like, I want to, I pretty much know what I'm going to get from each one of these guys and guys, you have to also play with the quarterbacks in particular. The one thing I found with Scott Fishbowl last year and it worked out for me, play the bonuses. Yeah. Play the, like Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins are top eight quarterbacks. In this, yeah. which is crazy yeah. to think about, um, but that's how it works. I mean, I don't know. I my team might be absolute dog poo, but we'll we'll find out pretty soon. So, um, but I'm excited for it, man. It's for a great cause, man. Scott's a great yeah. dude. Um, I, I'm just happy he invited me back in, man. I'm absolutely. I'm, just, I'm, I'm pumped. It, it's always it's last year. I had so much fun, man. It was, it was a great time. The fun the fun thing about the tournament is that it's really. <clears throat> a 12 team redraft league yeah. until the tournament. Right. You know, so you're only competing against 12 dudes or girls. I mean that in the negative way, but 12 people, uh, in, you know, in, in like a regular redraft league for, I think it's like 12 or 13 weeks and then playoffs start, but like you have to make the playoffs. So it's just like a redraft league. Mm-hmm. And the last two years I played it like almost like a traditional redraft league. And the reason I did that is I didn't, necessarily want to be too crazy i stayed super close to the vest and i made the playoffs both years i had good teams going into the playoffs both years i didn't 
I think I advanced one year, didn't advance the next year, lost the second round. You know, I have, I didn't do much. I didn't make too much noise. I think you said you were top 12. God bless you. Great job. But I said, you know, I probably made a couple mistakes where I could have maybe advanced further. But I said, in order to really have fun with this thing, now that I've done it twice, I'm going to go crazy. And, you know, I took Matt Ryan to stack with Kyle Pitts at 4'11". Huge. I got Trey Lance. I was also able to back up Trey Lance with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I feel like I've got the San Francisco quarterback and the upside of Trey Lance is great. I kind of did what you did with, uh, with Mac Cam. And, Cam and, yeah. yeah, and then I actually did draft Mac Jones and Andy Dalton. Um, I felt like between the two of them, I have like one quarterback. <laughs> like it's the Andy Dalton <laughs> right. like for right. yeah, like three or four weeks. And then the Mac Jones for the, you know, like I, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I can safely drop Andy Dalton once Fields plays. You know, it's like perfect. Like early I'll need him. And then as soon as waivers run and I need someone, it's like, Fuck Andy Dalton, you know. Right. Um, but the guy that I was that was interesting that we both own. I mean, we both own Mike Davis too. But in this one was you drafted Rashad Bateman at the eight oh three. I was able to. I was able Did to get Rashad twelfth ba- round. Hey, are we twelve eleven? Dude, there's some, okay. There's some drafts. Okay, it's it's funny how the, the variance in drafts is all, with the rookies. It's crazy. Like I yeah, saw. So I took Devonte Smith as my he was a wide receiver twenty six, which I had him. Um, pegged as between wide receiver 20 and 28 was kind of where his like ADP is um, fluctuates I saw some yeah. that he was wide receiver 45 one was wide receiver like 54 I'm like what right what the fuck? so I'm like holy cow so like and they're shot Bateman too I'm like I'm like in the eighth round I'm sweating I'm like fucking Bateman is Bateman gonna make it back to me here right um but you got him in the 12th round like oh my god I, wish. Yeah, I went on a, I went on a, I went on a run. I went um 8 9 10 11 12. I went Odell Beckham, DJ Chark, Will Fuller, Michael Gallup, Rashad Bateman and and I'm I'm completely swinging upside with each and every pick. I like There's it. no floor in any of that. No. Like I'm I'm literally like the last 2 years I played floor, not floor, but fucking solid. How's that? This one was like I mean Odell Beckham complete crazy play like but his ceiling is pretty awesome dj chark no floor zero floor has has ceiling that's for sure will fuller all ceiling baby like if he stays healthy he was like a top uh 15 wide receiver i think he was wide receiver 11 in points per game like he's a stud but what's the odds he stays healthy i don't know not very good but if he does that could be huge michael gallup i mean another one where he saw over 100 targets two years straight like I'm not sure exactly what he is, but um, you know, there's ceiling. Rashad Bateman, complete unknown, like no floor. I get like you know, so I just went ceiling, 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 and then and and then the floor. I got wide receiver 71, Cole Beasley in the 17th round. I was like, I don't know, dude. That that dude is like you know, I mean, he's just a little scatterbug, uh, you know, target magnet. So you know, it felt kind of good. You know, you only have to play three wide receivers, obviously. Uh, Waller and Pitts, or you know, one of them is going to be in the in the in the flex yeah. spot. Um, you know, I'm hoping Javante turns out, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, just to see that um, Rashad Bateman, we both had, and yeah. Mac Jones, we both had, Mike Davis, we both had. It was kind of fun to see where we were aligning. Yeah, no, for sure, it's a fun draft, man. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's kinda, a lot of fun. yeah. It's hoping your guy it, falls to you, and uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, man. Well, yeah, it's true. Like the you can look at the ADP for the league across the board, and it's just so like you said, Trey Lance. You know, I took him at the five hundred two. There were spots where he went. 
I don't know where the further, I don't even want to look because it'll, it'll kill me to know that some people got him in like the 11th. And oh 12th no. Round. Yeah. For the rookies in particular. Crazy. Yes. It is. Cra- it is crazy. I don't even understand it quite cool, frankly, yeah. but uh, moving the chains an homage to the old, the old man. Um, I want, I want to hear about Terrace Marshall. Um, you know, I know the film community was split on Terrace Marshall. What are your thoughts? Because I'm actually kind of a big fan. He, he does check all the boxes of, the anatomy series for me. So, you know, anatomy of a, of an elite wide receiver, he looks like one, but you know, uh, does he look like one? Honestly? I mean, he was one of the, one of the highest ceiling, um, wide receivers in this class for me. Him falling to pick 59 was one of my shocks of draft weekend. Like that was crazy, but he ends up now he, he, you know, he goes reunited with his college coordinator and Joe Brady um, I thought he was gonna be a first round pick. Like I thought, yeah. I thought he was a top so twenty five pick in the NFL draft. But the flag medicals are a little bit concerning. I think the upside yep. is well worth it. Where you're taking him, um, for me, a lot, a lot of Jordy Nelson vibes, hmm. which is a, obviously yeah. Jordy Nelson is pretty damn good. Um, yeah. but it's he's he's gonna be a really good player. Uh, it's just gonna depend on if he can stay in the field. That's the question sure. that we don't have the answer for, and that's the reason he fell to pick fifty nine. I mean, I thought he was going to be half of that. I thought he was being around. I thought he was going to be in the twenties. I actually had the Chicago Bears initially um, at twenty, picked it back at twenty. Um, but man, it, it's tough because are the medicals that bad? <laughs> like hey. that's brutal. That's a tough fall. Hey, speaking of pick twenty, I, it's not on the show sheet, but this one's sure, funny. No, I mean, go ahead. I, I'm going to dunk on a few people that my my listeners have heard me dunk on before. Number one is Charlie Casserly because Charlie Casserly nailed it. He called Kadarius Tony 20th. His mock draft said Kadarius Tony is going to go 20th oh my God. in the NFL draft. He was supposed to go to the Bears. Nailed it. I was nailed it. I was so upset because every <laughs> like a lot of like the the ESPN the CBS guys were all like, okay, Kadarius Tony to the Bears. I'm like, no. No, no, and no. Right. And the craziest thing was, Kadarius Tony, if he didn't get picked by the Giants at 20, would have been a Jaguar. You have LaVisca Chanel. Like, what are you doing, I don't, Urban Meyer? I don't even – I can't even oh, fucking understand it. That's – what's worse? Like, you – like, understanding that you have LaVisca Chanel Jr., who, by the way, is an absolute stud and had a really good rookie season. <laughs> Or you're Travis Etienne sitting there, and you're Lavisca hearing your, and you're hearing your coach say he would rather have Kadarius Tony over <laughs> you. That is, awful. I mean, dude, I'm I'm either gonna look like the biggest man. fucking idiot, or Kadarius Tony is gonna suck balls. So <laughs> let me just the, one of the two. It's one oh of the two. God. There's no way because if he's good, people are just gonna be like. Fuck it's you. just so like, weird, man. He, he just, it's so he weird. He plays such so, a niche position. He, he's literally he's, – he plays the Joker role. He plays what – Wait, can, can I tell you this before you go? Can I tell you this yeah, before yeah, you go? Yeah, yeah. So Charlie Casserly puts uh, Kadarius Tony at 20, like which is fine actually because he was right, right? So that was correct. As a matter of fact, even when I roasted Charlie Casserly, I said, well, that, that may be true. I don't fucking know. And sure enough, it was true. But then in his opinion comments – on that mock draft he did. And he said, and by the way, Kadarius Tony is a better prospect 
than Justin Jefferson ever was. Oh my god. Yes, dude. Yes, dude. I I I don't even can you imagine printing that? It's funny because I I, I kind of so he's such a dramatic mover. He's he's a yards after yes. catch threat. But he's just like there's no polish there. Like you're just you're right. just hoping for upside upside upside. I mean he yes. he is you know the one player when I'm like, all right, stylistically, who do you remind me of? Dante Hall. I mean, huh, yeah. you just try to get the ball in his hand, see what happens. Dante Hall was never a good NFL wide receiver. Right. One of the best return yeah. men of all time. But you, you want to hear who I comped him out. to, uh, Angelo? Dude. I comped him to Lynn Bowden. Okay, that's a pretty fair one. Because, right, so I feel like Lynn Bowden's an excellent football player. I feel like Kadarius Tony's an excellent football player my question to anybody is is Kadarius Tony an excellent wide receiver no. right right now at least it's like no I mean this thing is like you're like you know I mean if, if you're if you're coach judge like it's like what you're gonna have to any guy that you have to manufacture touches for right takes away from the guys that you don't in my opinion like Tariq Cohen and the Chicago Bears I've said it for years I'm like I love Tariq Cohen, but it drives me nuts when they give him the football because you're just force feeding him because you, you you can't get it naturally. You know, it's in the, <laughs> right, in the, that's right. in the flow of the offense. That's true, very, and that's very a very true. tough thing. Is he's very much in that Tariq Cohen Joker mold? Um, yes, we're gonna have to manufacture something for him because he is not apt enough to create yes. on his own. At 100%. a at a standard position, at the Z, at the X, in the slot, he isn't that guy yet. And if he can't pick up position, he, he's he's going to be a slot receiver. He can't play on the outside. Can he be a viable one? Is the question that no one has an answer for. But right now, we don't know what he is. You know what's crazy, Angelo? Is I loved Lynn Bowden. Yeah. If Kadarius Tony got drafted late third round and went to like the Chiefs or some shit, I'd be like. Watch out for this fucking Kadarius Tony. He's an electric athlete with yeah. a, you know, a very varied skill set, can play in the backfield, jet sweeps, a little bit of slot work. He could be a sneaky player, could be good. It's like all that's true. And you know what's interesting is basically his ADP in in uh in in sharp dynasty circles is about where Lynn Bowden's was. So I think we see him better than the NFL sees him. But I think the NFL is just enamored with the like you said, the ceiling, the, just, the sort of the, so, the shiny yeah, object. And it's just it's it's kind of strange to me too, because eh, it's just like, man, like, like I'd say at least three quarters of the thirty-two NFL teams had him as a first round NFL draft pick. Yes, because so imagine like you and I have different sort of proclivities in terms of how we. Uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, we're, you know, you're a little bit more film and movement based. I'm a little bit more analytical based, although we're we're both a lot alike in some ways, I guess. But imagine if you and I ran the fucking New York Giants and we're on the clock at 20. First of all, we, I would have said I quit if we don't take Christian Derrissaw. But um, if we're taking a wide receiver, can you imagine not taking him or taking him over Rashad oh, Bateman. Like that's, what that was my f- first thought. I'm like, what? Because the thing is like, okay, we're, we're basically, okay. <laughs> what the fuck? Darius Slayton. He's at, he's fine. He's not a bad, NFL, he's, fine. He's, not a, he's a good Z receiver in the NFL. In my opinion. Yep. Good, not Bingo. great. He yep. doesn't move the needle, but he is, you can put him there and he's serviceable. 
He has Robbie Anderson's ceiling. Sure, exactly. That's a good one. Great. But it's like, okay, we have another guy who Rashad Bateman. You can put him at X, put him at Z, anyway. put him in the slot. He's going to produce. He's a great intermediate target for you. He's oh. a quarterback's best friend. But then you imagine take him in Galladay. Enigma, this question mark, this we have no idea what this dude is at 20. 20? When it's like, what? Like, why are we doing this? But it's crazy because so so I'm not, I don't work in the NFL. So I don't know those things. So they must we do know, know something. Those things, though. They we must do. Know something no, we don't. fuck that. They don't know shit. JJR Fega, uh, sorry, at Whiteside over, uh, you know, DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, those weren't hindsight. It's not like we were like, oh, no, wait a minute. We have we, we didn't fucking have our Thega white side of head of DK Metcalf. Like no one in, in like, no one we know was doing that. Like that was stupid in real time. Um, you know, it's just it's over and over again. And and this is another one. And and John Ross in the first fucking 10 picks like I didn't have I had Godwin Galladay well ahead of those guys. I mean. I was fucking right. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't drafting John Ross and Mike Williams Dude. over fucking Godwin and Galladay. I just wasn't it's, doing it. It it's, wasn't happening. It's, you know, the, the NFL <laughs> continually gets enamored with big, fast, and big and fast. And then it's that's really it. Like, you know, John Ross like they're I mean, you know, it's Henry Ruggs over Tristan Wirfs and CeeDee Lamb. It's just fucking yeah, – it's insanity. That was, that was bad. It's insanity. It happens over yeah, and over does. again. So, like, I didn't think – honestly, I, I was shocked that Jalen Waddle went over Devontae Smith. I agree. I was like, like what? And like everybody loved Jalen Waddle. I'm like, I like Jalen Waddle a lot. But like I'm like, man, like Devontae Smith is a – like this is a very talented, talented, talented wide receiver. And yes. I think you you pigeonhole yourself into a role with guys like John Ross, guys like Jalen Waddle. Those guys get not necessarily they, they can't play another role in the NFL. They get pigeonholed into a specific role in an offense, and that is what the NFL kind of you know tags them as, and that's tough. You you know, and here's the other thing too: it's value over replacement. If an NFL, if there was you know, yeah, I don't know if you ever done this on Madden where you do a fantasy yeah, draft yeah, yeah, where you basically sure. just yeah right. Dude, all the quarterbacks go in round one, and if not, they're fucking idiots. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. you need to hurry up and get a quarterback, and then in round two, you should be taking tackle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like this isn't hard. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, Kristen Darrisaw over fucking Kadarius Tony. Like, honestly, fast forward to a year and and call the fucking Vikings and be like, hey, hey guys, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Yeah. Oh, Dalvin Cook. So yeah. So anyway. You have Chris and Darisaw. Do you think you might want to trade him? Uh, well, not really, but what were you thinking? We were thinking Kadarius to- Click. You know, it's yeah. like, fucking get the fuck out of here. Kadarius Tony for Chris and De- Like, in no fucking world is Kadarius Tony More on valuable. the same level yeah. of value as a f- – It's <sighs> Don't get me started, man. I can't even believe I did this to myself. Why did I put myself in this position? Damn it. Unbelievable. Let's move on. Uh – the, the the two running backs that are going right after those big three are are Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. Here's the question: uh, Which one? And are you pushing any of them above the likes of Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, you know, Jalen Waddle, uh, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith? Any of them okay. push a, ahead of any of those guys? I have it so. I have Marshall and Sermon back to back. 
actually have Marshall's Sermon and Carter back to back to back. Yeah. I have Marshall's my 15th, Sermon's my 16th, and Carter's my 17th. It really depends go. on what you're looking for. So for me, I'm like, okay, what kind of role are they going to play in the NFL? You know, and I said before, okay, I see, you know, Terrace Marshall more of the Jordan Nelson style role in terms of, you know, what he can be in the NFL and what role he'll play, I think. Trey Sermon, more of a Chris Carson type player. Michael Carter, more of your Chase Edmonds type player. What do you, yep. you know, like, what do you, like, what do you want from those? Like, what do you think about those type of players and how they fit into your, you know, your fantasy rosters? I mean, for me personally, I like the ceiling of a Terrace Marshall. I think you, me too. You, I think you can get another, I think you can get another Trey Sermon and Michael Carter next year's rookie draft. I think those guys will be there. You can't say the same about Najee Harris type player, but you can say that right. you, I think you can about a Trey Sermon, Michael Carter. Um, those guys are replaceable assets in that sense. So that's how I view it. Um, I think, you know, Trey Sermon, I think, has the most upside out of the running backs, like after the big three, because he plays in a running back from the offense. Um, yeah, I told, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm with you yeah. 100%. And I think Trey Sermon had – I like Michael Carter, too. too. I was on the – you know, it's like funny, but, you know, I mean, I, I, he's still a, an unknown there. I mean, I don't know if he's like Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds, you know, or if, is he possibly – I don't think he's Aaron Jones, but is he closer to that than those other two? I'm not sure. I don't think so. And, you know, I bet against it, right? You know, I mean, you, you're not betting on him being that guy. So I'm with you. I think you got to fade him to, to some degree. Hey, man, we're running, we're running long. You've been amazing. Let's, uh, let's, let's start fucking, you know, it's like when you're on the airplane and it starts fucking coming into descent. You can feel it. You're like, oh, shit, here we go. We're fucking coming down. So l- let's, uh, let's do that. And why don't we start by just telling everybody, just tell everybody where they can find you because I think what you provide – uh, it, it is very useful and 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 I, I think you're doing great work. So just tell people where they can find you all over the place. Uh, first, man, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a long time coming, so I, I really yeah. appreciate it and, and had a had a ball, man. Thank you. Um, but you can find me like on Twitter, man, at Angelo underscore fantasy. Um, my DMs are always open, man. So if anyone wants to chop it up, have questions, you know, I try to get back to people pretty promptly. So um, feel free. Um, and I have a website, uh, angelanalysis.com. So that's where you can find all my work um, last season and this season, um, the Ascension grading system, um, a lot of the prospect profiles like on Najee Harris, you know, Jamar Chase, all those guys. That's all up there, kind of looking in depth of what they do as movers and how they kind of act as athletes and NFL players. Um, and right now I'm just looking, I'm looking forward for more football. Um, probably towards yes. August <laughs> is when I'll be putting out when college football starts to kind of come around the corner. Um, a lot of the more the dynasty and Debbie type stuff of who sh- who should be looking out for in the next couple of years in terms of running backs, who has that elite ceiling in terms of guys, you know, like the Bajan Robinson, you know, uh, Brees Hall, you know, there are some guys who are, you know, on the horizon here that we should be looking out for. And what, what do they do well? How do they how do they translate to the NFL level? And that's some stuff that I'll be diving into pretty soon. I love it. Um, you know, my intention and I know, you know, <laughs> I know you know this. I haven't missed very many weeks, but I missed the Angela week this year. I had him on the books, and I flaked on him. I didn't flake. I mean, I had some shit come up, so it just it just didn't happen. I missed that week. I didn't miss very many weeks this year. I'm, we're episode forty six. We're coming up on a year, so you know, I, I basically was here every week. I missed Angela one week, 
and I intended to have them before the draft. And I think next year I'm going to put you, you know, I'd love for you to come back, of course. And I'd, I'm going to put him in before the draft because I think he's really useful in terms of what he provides his com- this community and his his followers and listeners uh, before the draft. You know what he talks about in terms of movement skills and things like that. Very, very valuable. And I love he- sort of hearing that as I know you're paying attention to college football, which truth be told, I don't I don't really I scout heavily and I get into it when the season's over. That's when I get into sure. college football. Once it's over, sure. uh, watch some of the playoff games and shit like that. Like, um, you know, I watched Sean Wade become a fucking, you know, an afterthought yeah. on national TV. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> I saw that shit happen, but, um, you know, I don't really watch a lot. I was like, oh, I can't wait. Let's see this. I was like, Devontae Smith versus Sean Wade can't wait. Oh, shit. This yeah, ain't right. Yeah. You know, it was so good, brother. It's so funny. Um, but um, I love what you do, so I'd love to have you back on. And uh, let me ask you one: Bijan, one point oh one in Devi right now. I mean, come on, baby. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's he's <sighs> a special. Him and Aussie dude, Jameer Gibbs, who's a super super special yeah. talent. I think. Um, is he what class is he? Same class, twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, I think right. he's. Yeah, man, those two for me are are pretty close. One A, one B. Um, the in the next class, I think one of my I think my my, I would say, 101 of non-quarterbacks. I think Spencer Rabb is going to be the consensus. Um, okay. Traylon Burks. I'm a big Traylon Burks fan. Fuck, dude. I love that guy. He, he's he, Yeah, he, he's pretty awesome. What's he, like 6'4", 225? Yeah, he's a big dude, man. He's a big dude. He's like Calvin Johnson, right? I mean, dude. like, that's the ceiling, right? Isn't that right? He's a big, yeah, he's a big dude, man. I, I like watching him play. Um, I think yeah. if you're going to go quarterback, if you're, like, in Debbie drafts, the one that I think – that I've gobbled up kind of everywhere is Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback. Hmm. Uh, ton of upside, huge, huge cannon for an arm. Um, but really good running capabilities as well. So, um, oh, but you get me excited! I can't wait to have you back on at the right time this no, year, man. Sure. Because this is what we're going to be talking. Because you know, I get into this. I love and geek out on NFL draft and NFL rookie draft, uh, dynasty rookie draft. Excuse me. That 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 I love it. I've been geeking out on NFL draft for as long as I've been, you know, conscious, man. This is like the funnest shit. But I'm not really a college football fan, so I love someone for like sure. you to enlighten me early in the process. And so book it. You and I definitely on undrafted early in the year again. Sounds I can't good, wait man. to have you back on. You're you're one of the guys I've been trying to track down and I appreciate you coming on and sharing all the great knowledge and and uh, I had such a great time with you today. Yeah, brother. Anytime, man. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Perfect, man. I appreciate it. So go find, uh, you know, uh, Angelo on Twitter at uh, at Angelo underscore fantasy. He's great. I'm sure you love this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. On behalf of everybody at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody at the Undrafted, on behalf of my elite producer, Michael P. Duncan, Philadelphia Eagle fan, on behalf of Jax Falcone and Angela, we out.